Hello and welcome. You are now listening to The Junk and Jam Hour, a live talk radio broadcast, a full 60 minutes of laughs, fun, and money. Well, maybe not money, but do take pleasure in the fact that you'll be getting to know someone new, like an artist, a musician, an author, or perhaps a silly clown. That's got to be worth something. Am I right? Anyway, I really don't get paid enough for this. This is The Junk and Jan Hour, only on Radio Free Brooklyn. And now for your on-air host, Silly Clown, Christopher Albert. Hello there, everyone. You are listening to the Jugga Jam Hour right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn is a nonprofit community organization and freeform internet radio station streaming original content by New York City artists, lots us, and broadcasters, DJs, journalists, musicians, you name it, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right here at Radio Free Brooklyn. Of course, it we, we strive to uphold our goals which of course is to empower and amplify the otherwise unheard voices within our local communities on the Junkie Jam Hour. It is my objective to share and highlight the artistic and creative journeys behind the very impressive projects and contributions of some of today's most talented underground and groundbreaking artists and entrepreneurs and my very lovely guest not joining me in the studio, rather via phone because you know, COVID is originally from Hempstead, New York, who went from being a classically trained vocal performer and musician who plays not one or a mere six, but 12 different instruments, to now being one of New York City's most sought-after premier drag queen talents. As a drag queen performer, she's worked real hard earning her stripes in stage stage time, helming the live hit shows such as the five-year running A Lady and a Clown with Lilith Bay, uh, the Viva Variety Showcase, and Miss Runner-Up. She's a master of ceremonies, to say the least, um, she's a consent host for the Brooklyn, excuse me, based performance fuel nightclub and creative collective House of Yes and Brooklyn's newest queer venue, The Vault, as well as a karaoke mistress at New York City's famous boxers. She's also resident queen at the Rock Bar, including hostess of the Mr. Rock Bar pageant contest for bears. She's not only an entertainingly beautiful maven, but she also lends her face, time and talents to some of today's most worthy causes and fundraisers she's also put in the work behind that sewing machine guys and is known and well respected uh, for her fabulous original frocks which you may have seen featured on entertainment weekly as worn by the legendary queen honey davenport uh to recap she's a musician actress actor hostess designer debonair drag performer and um she wants me to know wants me to let you guys know she's also a really bad cook and just like me she's also a twin introducing the one and only new york city drag star future icon if she isn't one already miss viva vidalia hello there oh my goodness what in the world (laughs) how are you dear i'm so well i don't know who you just described but i want to meet that person (laughs) that is all you we don't We don't pick from the bottom of the barrel, I'll tell you that. Not anymore, anyway. Oh, right. Hi, Viva. Now, um, I hope it's okay. I mean, we all know you're uh, 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 a, a beautiful, handsome gentleman underneath it all. But I thought... I am not. 
<laughs> not a gentleman. <laughs> but I thought, why not just interview as the queen that you are? Yes, thank you very much. Um, so Viva, um, Vidalia, like the onion, she's sweet, but be careful because she'll also make you cry. You are originally from Long Island, just like that Long Island Lolita, Amy Fisher. <laughs> uh, also from Huntington, Long Island is uh, Queen songstress Mariah Carey, whose family, because of the racial tensions back then uh, within the community, had their family dog poisoned and a car set on fire. <laughs> um, according to just fun, just fun, fun, fun stuff going on in Long Island. According to Erase Racism New York.org, Long Island is still among the 10 most racially segregated metropolitan regions in the United States. Uh, severe racial segregation in housing and schools means that families live in racial isolation. And as a result, there are very few occasions where residents from different racial groups interact with one another. You are a person, you grew up as a person of, you still are a person of color, but you grew up as a brown young man of Salvadorian descent. Um, what was growing up in Long Island like? Um, well, actually, while I was growing up, it's funny that you brought that up because while I was growing up, we were the the uh, top segregated area and all segregated village and all. Oh wow! Right where you were living. Street. Right where I was living in the village of Hempstead. Now, when we say um, segregated, we're talking about economically. Economically, yeah. Schools, education. Yeah, and, and work opportunities, you know, uh, job opportunities. Yeah. Stuff like that. Uh, it, it, you know, I was just talking about this with a friend of mine. It was so the the concept of um, to me anyway, the concept of black and brown people being like separate entities never was a thing that I dealt with growing right. up. Obviously, now as an adult, I can tell the difference. But back then, since we were all just like we were all living together, life, we were all poor. Yeah. Um, there was like us and them, them being white people. Yeah. So it was just really, it, it, it's a, it was interesting that in our separation and segregation from white people and from economic opportunity, we kind of found ourselves banding together. Um, well, I mean, r regardless, I mean, you know, your family's from um, El Salvador. My best friend, Ada Zapada, uh, she passed away in 2006. Hey, Ada, um, was Salvadorian. And obviously her family immigrated here and worked their asses off and did what they had to do for their family, right? Absolutely. You just do what My you got to do. What was that? My parents were came to this yeah. country from El Salvador too. Um, at the time, I mean, my mom came with, with a little bit of education, which actually ended up helping her when she was here. But sure. my father came when he was in sixth grade. Wow. So wow. He, he's very fortunate in that he found a job that he was able to you know, support a family with, which is not always the case. Right, right. Um, so now you studied um, as a classical performer, both vocally and instrumental. You, um, oh, yeah. You know and practiced and, 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 and have been the player of 12 instruments. I'm going to try to guess some of them and, and you'll tell me yes or no, or maybe we'll figure out what they are. Because that's so okay. many. Um, obviously, obviously the clarinet, because I saw that. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, flute? All right. Uh, piano. Yes. Violin. Yep. How about the viola? <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. <laughs> uh, guitar, electric or acoustic? Acoustic guitar. Um, sax. 
I guess when I say drums, we could just say drum kit. I don't know. Percussion. I mean, yes, I don't count that as one of them, but yes. Uh, now, when we talk percussion, are we talking the timpani, the djembe, the conga? <laughs> it's a, well, percussionists are probably the hardest working musicians in any band. Sure. Because they they have to, like, if someone's like, hey, this, this piece has xylophone, they're just, like, expected to know yeah. how. Okay. Whatever you pick up a mallet and hit something else with, that's what they're supposed to do. I know. So shout out to all the percussionists. Shout out to all the percussionists. By the way, and then I, and then you always think like, is the piano technically percussion and string? Is it both? It's all four. Ah, both. ah, because it vibrates yeah. as well. It does vibrate? <laughs> there are strings. It's one of those, you know, like when you're a little kid in school, they're like, and this instrument is extra special. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then rainbows come over it. (sighs) Right. The more you know. The more you know. Um, Triangle. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I'm a beast at the triangle. Uh, Tuba? I do play the tuba. Uh, I play tuba in a marching band. Awesome. Very big. How about the ukulele? I do not play the ukulele. Oh. Well, I just moved. I just moved to um, Brooklyn to Williamsburg, so now I feel like I'm a proper hipster. So I think I have to learn how to play the ukulele. Got it. You can't be a a proper hipster until you know. How about the organ? I I do play the organ. I played organ in a church for three years. Wow. The accordion. I do not play the accordion. Oh my god! How cool would that be, though? I know. What about the vibes? That little vibraphone. The vibraphone? I, I think I do. <laughs> cool. Okay, I don't even know. I think I'm, I feel like I'm missing two instruments here. What what did I miss? Uh, trumpet is one of them. So ah, the I missed the trumpet. Baritone. Yes. We love the, the brass. Um, violin is actually my main instrument. Oh. That's what I started. I started that when I was four, and that's, that's actually what I was supposed to go wow. for, and then I didn't. That's it. A- um, and, and of course, so are you, have you been, by the way, taken, I mean, I know you're an activist. I know you've been um, a vocal advocate for Black Lives Matter, uh, Black trans lives, obviously, um, in, 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 and obviously for our sisters. Have you, you know, they've, they've been doing, people have been playing the violin for Elijah. Yeah. Have you taken was, part? They, they- there was actually a, a rally that was going to be organized here in Central Park. Yeah. Um, that never happened because uh, it was set to happen the day after the situation happened. Uh, I can't remember the city where, where the, the police stormed the vigil that they had. Uh, uh, so they decided, some of the organizers and some of the players just decided that it might not be the, the, best, the best time. Time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I love I love that you're just so talented. Never mind. We're gonna get obviously how that because obviously your your voice is also a beautiful instrument. You have a great one. Oh, thanks. So, silly question: How important then has music? How how influential has music been for you in your life? Obviously, it's been this big chunk of your life to learn all these instruments. Um, it's it's. I don't even. It's never not been a part of my life. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I wouldn't even know what the alternative... Because who I, am I? Right. Who am I without music? Mm-hmm. Um, the, that's my autobiography book. But, no, I don't have one. I'm just joking. But, like... It's in the works. being four years old, um, that's as early as I can remember, and just like, oh, okay, I'm going to be a musician. I love it. Like, 
there was never there was never I never wanted to be anything else per se I'm just like I'm gonna grow up I'm gonna play an instrument and that's gonna be my life but now when you think I'm of instruments play. you think of all of these grand instruments that you play and you think of just even and even ballet and dance and you think oh and especially growing up in the segregated the most segregated neighborhood at the time and you think how would the, you know somehow your family made sure you had those resources available yes. to you so that's amazing yeah, well, so in our public schools, in Hempstead Public Schools, we had band, orchestra, and choir. So we had kind of like the most basic three. We didn't have that back um, in the 80s, at least not in our school. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, at, at the time with the legislative, like, no child left behind and stuff like that oh, kind yeah. of made that possible for us. It's not very, now that I'm an adult, I can understand why a lot of that was not good. Uh, but now, as a kid, it was great because they gave us free instruments. And I think once my parents realized that I wasn't just messing around uh, with the music that I right, kind of wanted to do, right. that's when they, they reached out for private lessons. Right, because before investing, you want to make sure your child's not going to just dick around, right? Yeah, and also because it's money. Getting your child private lessons costs, I mean, upwards of like $1,000 a month, you know, if you're, really, if you're really like doing it, doing it with a private teacher. That's cool. That's, that's amazing. I love that you were able just to show, even at that time, you were going to be a dedicated artist, a dedicated yeah. artiste, excuse me. An artiste. Now, you also have a, tw I have a twin sister, by the way. I didn't know that. Hey, Chrissy, she's, she's fresh out of jail. So now you have a... Oh, God. <laughs> Let oh, me God. tell you. Congratulations, Chrissy. <laughs> when it comes to being different, man... Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Are we different? Okay, that's enough. Um, so now you have a twin. Now I'm assuming you're not identical, right? You're also paternal. We are fraternal twins. Yeah. I have a twin brother, uh, named Josue, Joshua. Yeah. Uh, who is? I mean, we couldn't be any more different either. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I, I think know, they. Just like, mm -hmm. No, go ahead. Growing up. Uh, he he was really about like labels and brands and yeah. trying to look his best. Love it. So he would like spend three hundred dollars and wait eight hours online to get the new Jordan. Oh god! And I'm fully walking up to like Chipotle. Love and it. Cargo <laughs> <laughs> like, it. I mean, that is my life. Like, I don't know why I'm going to spend three hundred dollars on shoes that are uncomfortable. <laughs> well, now you do, but that's a now different story. <laughs> that <laughs> would come later. I needed better. I needed a different kind of shoe. <laughs> a different kind of shoe. Well, but well, the difference is your shoe actually makes you money. It's an investment. So now, but your brother is gay as well, right? Who came out first? He's a he is a homosexual. A homosexual. Uh, <laughs> yes. I'm not sure. I don't think I. I don't have a. <laughs> I don't have a coming out story. It was just kind of like. Oh, yeah. I'm queer. Well, I'm here. <laughs> you guys should know this already. Look at me. Well, it, it wasn't even that. I, I don't think... Um, I'm not particularly flamboyant in my life. Yeah. So, they, my parents... It's not like I was coming home with, like, you know, pink hair and a midriff. Got it. Yeah. But they, it was just kind of known. Like, I, my father stopped asking me where are my girlfriends when I was 11. Got it. 
<laughs> so, but now, I'm like, Dad, I am the girlfriend. <laughs> I am my own friend. Yes, but my my twin brother did like come out to my mom, and it was very dramatic. So I guess he was the first. Oh, he took he took the bullet for you guys. Sure, I was like, whatever. I'm gonna go live my gay life in Brooklyn. You go ahead and do what you gotta do. I love it. So now. Party people, how you feeling? Sorry, I'm just playing with with graph with sound effects here. Did having a twin brother who obviously was gay as well, did having him around help alleviate the feeling of maybe being alienated? Um, well, me and my twin brother were not super close. Okay. And that seems really weird for me. Nope, nope. Hello. I got it. I'm <laughs> I was not visiting my my sister, and I was not going to prison for anyone. No one. Oh, oh well. I, I, <laughs> we'll talk about my stay in prison later. Oh, I love that. Well, we would have come to visit you, of course. Oh, thank you. Um, it, I was never, I never personally felt like persecuted. I, I that's not my storyline. I know it is for many people. Yeah. Um, but like, I kind of just. I kind of just walked around. I, I remember being a kid, like kind of knowing what I was about already, and I think people just got it. Yeah, um, they're just like, "Oh, okay, that that's that's Viva." She's and that's just you, gay. just being who you are. Yeah, I mean, and also me and my brother weren't particularly close. So in school or whatever, we didn't really we didn't have the same friends, and we didn't really talk to each other. And so and and that that's how it should be, right? With your siblings, anyway. Yeah, I think I have like. I had like serious trauma from being a twin and my mother trying to make us dress the same. Uh, so I just wanted to separate myself. From yeah. As much as I you kind of rebello away from that. Yeah, I was just like, I'm my own person and he's his own person and we're going we're gonna to do things our own way. So, so now, Viva, you also, now going back to music, you have produced original music, right? You have Heartstrings, Baby Girl that I heard, indie folk music, I, I guess. I do. I, I well, um, before all this started, I was actually working on a on like a five track mini album. Yay! And uh, e- that was going to be EP. all country tunes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I wish. Well, uh, do you have plans to f- officially finish recording? <laughs> when everything starts starts opening up, I'm very excited about it. Um, I am too. I, by I the way. Think- I don't think too many people know that I'm into country music, but it's actually one I of love my it. favorite genres. Yeah. Well, I called it indie uh, folk, so but we'll just call it straight up country. I love that. Indie folk is fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, because uh, you know, I mean, the kids these have, days, they have labels for everything that are not just <laughs> in one bucket. That's true. Um, I guess indie, whatever, it, it's me and an acoustic guitar and whatever yeah. you want to call that is what you call it. Uh what? <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I've been working on it for a while um, And then I just decided I guess with, with RuPaul's Drag Race And all this stuff yeah. You tend to think that You kind of have to become Well known first Before you can do stuff like that Right Like make music And I, I, I think now that I'm A 30 year old woman I'm just like If I want to do something I'm just going to Just going to do, do it. it Let me tell you There is nothing like I mean there is truth. It doesn't matter when that time comes and the opportunity is there. All you have to do is just be ready. And you will be. Right? Thanks. Yeah, I will be ready. I'll probably be drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have a shoe missing. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> where's my earrings? Yeah. You've been doing drag for about 10 years now? Oh my, I, I have. I'm closing. I'm a Halloween queen and we're closing in on the oh, end of Oh, a Halloween year queen. I love that. Yes, yeah, we are closing in fast. We should do Halloween t- together this year. Now, how did you go from studying music, right? You know, because you you are eighty thousand dollars in debt to it leading to a career. <laughs> I do my research. I wish, I wish it was only eighty thousand. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. All right, so we're being modest here. Yeah, maybe in twenty years it'll be eighty thousand dollars. <laughs> so how does that lead to a career in a different form? You know, uh, still entertainment, but just different form of entertainment drag performance you know i know you said you went from being an insecure fat boy to seeing your first new york city drag performance Mm -hmm. yeah well uh actually my first my uh my first time ever seeing a drag second time rather was on a club on long island called long island long island where i grew up long island um and it was it wasn't even a gay club it was like the gay night that happened at the club. Got it. Oh, so, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the only one that existed. So, like, every single gay in the entire county of Nassau on Long Island on a Saturday night would go was to this there. one club. Yeah. Um, regardless of age, because there was fully 16-year-olds in there. Sure. Um, myself included. And um, I just saw those queens, and I saw the attention they were getting, and it was... It was not like unlike anything I was doing because they were singing, they were dancing, they were making jokes, and that was kind of what I do in regular life. So yeah. I just figured, let me let me try this, and then I went to New York City to see some of the queens there, and I'm like, oh yeah, I can definitely do this. So uh, come Halloween, put on some terrible heels and some terrible makeup, and I started yeah. around town. I love that. So, so obviously, obviously, that was an inspiration. You saw that what they were doing. This was a part of who you were, and and obviously, it's a way. Even in comedy, right? And and, and obviously, you do all these these things as a drag performer. You are all these things, right? You're a comedian. You're a singer. You're a dancer. You're a designer. But it still gives you this safe space to be all these things, and then. It, this character, it gives you that, I guess I, I want to use the word excuse, but to really bring all of that to life. And you get to put a persona, you get all that persona behind you, you get to put a matching look to it. Yeah, I think also, um, I, I kind of call it the armor. It's not an excuse. Yeah, but the armor. For, for people, I think people always think that to be a drag queen, you have to be this really rumbunctious and, no. and kind of outspoken. And the thing is, I'm not necessarily that way when I'm not in drag. Yeah. Uh, but when I am in drag, it kind of gives me that confidence because it's the ultimate icebreaker, right? If you walk up to a gay person who would probably not give you the time of day if you were not in drag and you're like, hey, how are you? They're going to automatically feel safe around you because you're in drag. Because drag queens in our community, in the queer community, have kind of been pinpointed as pillars of safety, right? We're, we're leaders. Um. It's a yeah, it's a wonderful thing. I'm actually a pretty self-conscious and and anxious person. <laughs> you put on you put on some wigs and you put on a dress and you put on heels and you walk out into the world and that just kind of you you get allowed to Your not armor. who you are and that's cool. Yeah. So so Viva Viva is just a, a big safe 
haven and, and, and obviously an inspiration to many as well. Now, you said on any given Friday night, well, first of all, let's go from there. You go from being a drag queen. How do you go from being a drag queen to hosting all of your own showcases? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Obviously, well, there's lots of work there. There is lots of work. It's it's not unlike any other artistic media. Yeah. You go some... I, I would... For a very long time, before I was actually getting paid to do anything, I would... You just work for stage platform. time. Friday night, I would get up and drag. I would just walk from bar to bar. I would say hi to every Love single it. queen. I would meet people. And, um, you know, it, it's you networking, right? So people have to know you exist before they can put you anywhere. Yeah. You don't just become... Even though putting on makeup makes you feel like a star, you don't actually just become a star well, overnight. It's they say work. dress for the job you want, not the one you have. Absolutely. And I and I dress like garbage. <laughs> I love that. Being a, a professional garbage person. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about that because that's funny because I know you describe Viva. You know, she's dancing, she's flirty, she's glamorous, but she's also kind of garbage. Absolutely, I love I'm that. Garbage However, garbage she is, though you know you 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 you've demanded you know to be paid attention to to get work. You put yourself into that door on any given Friday night. You know, for any show, you you know you're wearing five hundred dollars worth of an outfit and hair and shoes. You're in you're in heels that I I know you're you're tall, right? You're five eleven, but in heels, well, you're like what six what? Like usually six three or six four, depending that's, on the heel. That's crazy. I mean, you have these clothes on, and, and I know we talk about armor, but even in your gigs, right? And you're wearing these heels. I'd imagine, you know, and just even as a performer, sometimes we don't have stage, right? So I'm curious. I feel like, do you get like obviously a boost of confidence, not just the height of your heels, the height of your hair, because sometimes places are stageless, right? And as a host right. and performer, you want at least some visual separation from your audience but you don't always have that i mean well you i mean you see me in person there there are certain things and there are certain outfits for certain times right yeah (laughs) if if i'm gonna be on a stage and and it's kind of like a race stage and people are looking at me that's kind of when the neon green hair comes out the bright yellow outfit but if i'm hosting a karaoke gig where everyone's kind of sitting down and chilling then i get to wear then i get to wear my ugly heels yeah, your country dress. This is my eating dress. And I have plenty of those. I'm wearing mine right now. So you have random, just random, we're just random today. You have a little tattoo on your voluptuous breast, an oriental symbol of some kind. What is that? Oh, uh, what it is is a mistake. Oh, my God. That's funny. Uh, well, I, I have—I actually have three tattoos. Two of them were horrible mistakes. But the one on my chest specifically is the Mandarin symbol for faith. Uh, okay. I got that when I was 18 years old. <laughs> Get into the story. I got this when I was 18 years old <laughs> in the basement of a house on in Suffolk Ooh. County, Long Island, that I have never been to Ooh. by a tattoo artist who was giving free tattoos. Um, just, in his basement just a grinder for tattoo artists just kind of well it was a party um, anonymous and he was there that's I was funny very drunk 
Okay. Which is, you should not get a tattoo while you're driving. No. I own that one. Where are my earrings? Love it. Yeah. Uh, and to, to date, this tattoo on my uh, chest is the worst pain I have ever felt in oh. my entire life. And I've broken bones. And so so you so remember pain. the pain that vividly? Yes. Wow. It was so hurt. It was so painful. Um, and now it's on my body forever. Forever. So. Just. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's reminding you never to do one at a party while drunk again. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, one of my other tattoos, I also got a party. So clearly I didn't learn my lesson. Oh, okay. Uh, well, sometimes it takes more than one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just a hammer to the head. Just <laughs> a shove down the stairs. So, um, just, that's all. Just a tear in your stockings. <laughs> <laughs> your drag name, Viva Vidalia. Uh, yes. You, you describe yourself as a Latina queen, and Viva means to live. Yes. And, and you said that really spoke to you, and you just really like Vidalia onions. So, it just kind of yeah. went together. <laughs> Well, Viva Vidal- Well, first of all, Viva Vidalia was not my first name. <laughs> uh, I, I won't tell you what the first one is. <laughs> but says, uh, but I, I mean, to live uh, really spoke to me because when I was younger, um, I was diagnosed with a chronic illness. that, uh, And I was also kind of given a date of when my life might Expiration. Expire. Yeah. Which was obviously very traumatic for sure. a 19-year-old. Of course. So, um, after I surpassed that date, I uh, living became a really big deal to me. Just like the the mm. uh, the act of being alive. Uh, so, Viva is kind of that. It, it's it's not only just live in Spanish, but it's like live with an exclamation point. Yeah. Uh, and that that means that spoke to me. Um, I love it's, that. it's very sappy and very gross, but you know, whatever. Well, sometimes artists have to be emotional, but only sometimes. Only sometimes. Then, well, you do have to be vulnerable to get get to the get to what really makes you an authentic performer, right? Yeah. Sometimes you have to wrap wrap like nasty kale with bacon. <laughs> <laughs> we like kale, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, the kale the kale being the emotions and the bacon being the comedy, right? Mm-hmm. One is easier to digest, but you need both. sure. Yes, you do. I mean, otherwise, whose story are you telling? Right. So I did that. And then Vidalia is just a... Vidalia is a sweet onion. Yes. That is specifically from a county, Vidalia, Vidalia County in Georgia, where I am not from. No, uh, but it has its own little backstory of the onion, too. I actually found on pop popbuzz.com a, new, a drag queen generator. So let's see what mine's would be. It's really dumb. Let's see. So the month you were born dictates if you have a title. I was born December. I have no title, it says. (laughs) So no title for me. First letter of your first name, mine's is C. So that's Orgasma. And then first letter of your last name, D. So no title. I would be Orgasma Eleganza. (laughs) Ooh. I like that, though. (laughs) Let's do yours, right? Okay. Now, uh, oh, you said you're a Capricorn, right? So what is that, January? January. So your title would be Miss. And let's just see what Viva Vidalia translates into, yeah? Yes. Uh, First letter of your first name, V, it says it would be Tyra. 
and first letter of your last name, V. Bush. So you would be Miss Tyra Bush. <laughs> That's kind of great, too. No relation to George. No relation to George. No, no relations to either one of them, right? Maybe a distant cousin, perhaps. Oh, yes. Okay, so let's see what we have here. Miss Tyra Bush. Miss Tyra Bush, welcome. There she is. And Miss Orgasma Eleganza. Love that. Well, oh, I thank you for giving name. me the miss. Apparently, this website thought I didn't deserve a title. Oh. oh um, you, are, you, are, you are not a miss. You are, in fact, a miss is. Uh, oh, a miss is. That's right. That's right. Now, as a drag performer, you had to pick up other skills. Um, when we talk about Viva Vidalia, you are known for your original frocks, right? Did the necessity yeah. to design come from being a drag performer, or you already had this talent as well? For the sewing machine. Uh, well, I knew how to sew. My mother and my aunt, who I grew up with, are both seamstresses. Uh, so, like, I knew how to sew from the very beginning. Uh, but when I started taking my drag a little bit more seriously and realizing that if I want really ornate costumes, yeah, I'm going to have to make them myself because a lot of designers don't really design for people who are my size. Uh, right. That's kind of when I started learning how to, like, make giant shoulders and, you know, <laughs> yes. pinch at the waist and stuff like that that, that are a little bit more showman-y. Yeah. Uh, because that's what we are, right? We're, we're showmen. Absolutely. We costumes that reflect that. So yeah, I learned be- out of necessity for at first making myself look good and now I have to keep learning so that I can make other people look good so that they can pay me to do that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You, Your beautiful creations, you designed for Honey Davenport and Peppermint, who I love. Now, obviously, with your comings and goings, I know you moved recently from your home to your gigs. You you have to lug around. I mean, how much are you lugging around to get to your gigs between clothing and wigs? <laughs> oh, I mean, a lot. So I have a duffel bag. People make fun of me all the time. Yeah. It is a, it's a uh, camouflage duffel bag yeah. with neon orange piping. I love it's that. Probably the most the most masculine bag you can probably uh, think of. It's about the size of, of a person that I strap on my back. So what I would do here in New York City is I would probably get into my face at home. Yeah. Uh, and then I would get on a train in drag and then just so I'm pro- it's probably like fifteen, twenty pounds of stuff with shoes and still and yeah. Costumes and jewelry and oh, yeah. Well, the jewelry and the and the heels being the heaviest. Because you're already wearing your wig, right? No, I'm not wearing my wig. You're not. <laughs> How is that wig oh, in the I duffel love- bag? You, it's styled, obviously. You have it in rollers or... Uh, well, no. You, you So it is styled. You spray it with... Spray uh, the shit. to be hairspray. Yeah. <laughs> essentially, essentially turns it into a rock. Um, <laughs> you stuff it with like a t-shirt or something on is- the inside and then you put it in the bag and yeah. you put it in... Is that gel in your hair? So, hairstyling and makeup is obviously this this whole big other thing too, right? You're not just learning how to create beautiful, stunning looks, right? You have to know how to beat your face and style flamboyantly beautiful hair. Not only that, it has to fit. You know, it's really, it's finding your voice, not just as a performer, but what this performer looks like. What does she wear? What would she do with this? What? How would she want her face today? And and that's how long would you say it took you to? I mean, I know 
it, it you're going on 10 years i know even for in comedy sometimes we get to that i know for many people i feel like the same for me you get to that stride for us it was like for me anyway it was like an eight year mark at least in terms of joke writing you you get to that eight year mark you're like okay i, I think i'm finally getting the hang of this i know how? <laughs> uh, I'm still very much in that space. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, uh, yeah, I, I always tell, there's a lot of new queens that, that start up and then kind of fizzle out real fast. And I think with it, any... You've got to be in it for the long of, run. Right. Any kind of comedy writing, uh, any kind of design work, anything that's arts-based, you have to, have to, have to have a point of view that is different than any point of view that is already passed. yes but you have to get the garbage out of the way first yeah and also you have to be fully prepared and and get your spirit and and confidence prepared yeah for being absolute garbage for the first few <laughs> yeah that's it yeah until I mean, until you can make that garbage beautiful right put right. a put I a pretty so bow bad. on it i look horrible for so many years Fuck but it. that's also because i was growing up during a time where like makeup tutorials and and design tutorials on youtube weren't such a big thing yeah so for me a lot of it was going out to the clubs seeing what the girls are doing trying it kind of trying to conceptualize it in my head and then yeah. putting it on my face and a lot of trial and error and yeah you know, not unlike comedy you write a joke and you think it's the funniest thing in the world yep. and then you go to a club and you try to perform it right and no one laughs yeah so <laughs> you have to prepare your spirit to be like oh that was not funny, even though I thought it was. Let yeah. me change it. But but you know what happens? Years later, you're like, I know how to make it funny now. <laughs> yeah, it, it works. Now, not many people know you also worked or you still work. I don't know. Maybe you used to work at an urgent care facility. Yeah. For three years, I worked for City of the Urgent Care here now in we, New York City. Yeah. So so we have a lot of going on, obviously, with this coronavirus. And, and obviously, we're letting up. We work so hard here in New York City. We went from a crazy space in mid-March to, you know, being on a full lockdown and just, you know, you know, I remember before we even got masks and, and there was a time where nothing was available. And, and if you went into a store and they filled up their cart with, you know, just just Lysol and stuff, it was a rarity. And, and even hand sanitizer was a rarity and masks were a rarity. You had to wait four to five weeks. So you just made your own at the time. And, and now that we're getting back to this groove of, of, of opening up, we're in phase three, and obviously other parts of the country are not doing so well, but we pray for them. But, but you know, we still have people who are careless. Um, what do you make of these stories? You know, we hear gay men knowingly infected with COVID just going to Fire Island and having a good time. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> well, so it all started with the Rona rave, right? Did you hear about that? No. kitchen? Yeah, there was, I, I, at the time, was living in Hell's Kitchen. That's where I was before here. Uh, and essentially, a very prominent nightlife DJ decided to have a private party uh, with up to 40 people in his apartment in Hell's Kitchen. Which also, who the hell can afford an apartment in Hell's Kitchen that's big enough to house 40 people? <laughs> what kind of club are you? What kind of club is this? What kind of deal is going on here? Right. Uh, but, you know, it, I think there is a need for people to want to go back to the way things were. Uh, and that is very sad because I can't see how going back to the way things were makes any sense no. after having gone through what, what this country 
what socially, economically, you know, has gone through. It, it, we cannot go back. Yes. But, uh, you know, some change is really hard for people to digest sometimes, especially when you don't know what you're changing to. Uh, so I definitely can empathize with these people who decide to do things like go to Fire Island. I understand where they're coming from. But I will not sympathize, and I will say that they are very silly and dumb for doing so. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> young, right? I mean, obviously, don't ha they don't lack some sort of maturity there. I it's not it, all it, about the party. Ultimately, I think it, it, it they lack love for themselves. Got it. Got it. Uh, I love. I think that's yeah, where, where it goes. I love that. Uh, I love that. I mean, in some cases, thought. right? If, if you're putting yourself in active danger then it's probably because you aren't respecting your own life as much. And if you can't How can you own, right, how can you respect others? Right. If there if you don't have the foundation then you can't build a house on it. Okay. And and and, and speaking of and thank you for I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. We love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> down everyone. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of shady bitches, as a drag queen by trade it is your job to be able to read on stage, right? Uh, uh, even though it's still your job to win people over. You're not trying to, you know, make yep. people cry. But because you obviously do still, as a drag queen, you get more bees with honey. And you, you've once said um, you've, you've had shady things done to you as a drag queen by other drag queens one time. And, and is it Florence DeLay? DeLay? DeLay. Florence Dilly, which we'll talk about, um, who's in the hospital at the moment, or or is he out? Yes. Uh, she's she's still um, she's home now. She's home now. I love that. Now you work with with with, with Florence Dilly and and you know your partner in a show had a call out. You know was designing a dress for somebody. You were looking for queens. You tell the story. You had to obviously fill in for her absence, and you found a queen <laughs> who pulled some shady business on your venue. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, you better get me careful. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to mention names. <laughs> well, yes. So, I mean, there that that's not even shade. That's just straight up like tomfoolery. Shade, well, I think well, shade is, some queens don't understand that shade is meant to be like fun and then right, right. And then some queens do shady things and say, oh, that's just a little shade. It's like, no, you're just being a dick. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, in, 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 in the comedy world, too, right? You know, when we produce shows and we had good comics on and, and you always had to be mindful of other producers coming in poaching your talent or poaching absolutely. your venue. And you're like, I put well, a show here and, you, you know, I, I, I did all this work to make the connect to to secure an hour, to secure the bar, to secure the space, build a relationship just so you could come in off on my hard work and be like, hey, I want this too. So when you and then when you leave out the door, and because they were participating in your show, then behind your back they're like, hey, I want this venue too. Well, there. So it's happened. It's truthfully that I know of only happened twice in my career one yeah. time where someone was a guest at a show that i was having and dirt while the show was over went up to the manager who was my who was not only my manager but one of my close friends yeah <laughs> uh, and essentially was like asked things like how much is she getting paid i can provide this 
for a, a, a small, smaller amount of money. I've, that never came to fruition, thank God. Yeah. But, uh, but that, I mean, in one hand, I'm like, listen, I can't knock your hustle. In the other hand, I'm like, I'm going to knock your hustle because you obviously just... Well, but you them. literally just fed them for the evening. Yeah. I gave them some money and, and I gave them a place to perform. So that was one time. But now the that's... time, I actually did have... I had a gig yeah. taken right from under me. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, th- this is what I can say about that. Uh, what, what's it? Beyonce, best revenge is your paper. <laughs> yeah. So, I obviously, I'm very sad that I don't have that show anymore. And, and I mean, at this point, no one has anything because of COVID. Oh, we're... The, so, all the level... The, the, the playing field has all been leveled. Yeah, the only thing I can say is that when something like that, ha- there are people in this business and in this life who are meant to be in your life for a while, and then there are people who are meant to be there for a long time. Sure, sure. Uh, and there are some people who are never have, you know, should never have been there to begin with. Well, and so well, people some people just don't know how there. to maintain relationships sincerely. Yeah, and that's and how I'm you get to anywhere you're going, right? We don't get to where we're going alone. We get there together. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I pride myself in being someone who I've always said, when I eat, we all eat. Yes. So if you're with me, if you're a part of my family, if yes. we're growing together, when I, when I do well, I'm going to make sure that all of the mouths in my family are that, fed. Yep, I agree. Uh, and I, I'm very proud to, to say that I have been very good about sticking to that in the 10 years that I've been doing yeah. this. Some people are not that way, though, and I just have to make peace with it. <laughs> I know, I know. I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine earlier, too. I said, wherever I go, you go. Even though I've been left behind by some others. So now that I've helped along the way, you know, we've... Never mind, that's another story. So now the queen business is not all unshady business, right? When we were talking about Florence Delis, whose friend Kyle started a GoFundMe, a medical fundraiser. Florence Dilley is a designer for many of the top queens in New York City, including some of the Drag Race stars, as well as an accomplished theatrical costume designer. Oh, yes. Uh, on June 19th, uh, she was rushed into the emergency room to have spinal surgery. I've never even heard of this, Quarter a Queen Syndrome. It's yeah. rare, but it's a serious condition that is described that describes extreme pressure and swelling of the nerves at the end of the spinal cord. It can lead to incontinence and permanent paralysis. So between you and many other family, friends, and of course other queens, they have reached their goal to help raise over $15,000. I, I know, isn't that wonderful? That is just amazing. And that's what happens when you are just truly, sincerely a good friend and not just talented, but you understand that we get to where we're going together because sometimes you will be in need. Yeah, and you know, in Florence, I mean, I, I this is a person that came into my life very suddenly. Like one day, one day she showed up. No accident to my, to my show. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, we're friends now. I love that. Uh, and we like, you know, we hung around in the same circles. But I have never in my entire life met someone who works even half as hard yeah. as she does. So I mean, the amount of work that that she takes on and who she's making clothes. I mean, she had clothes. At the Met Gala this past this past season, yeah, she's dressed. Um, she's dressed every single, not every single one, but the past five winners of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, she's dressed them. Love it. Um, and she just, it, it's ridiculous. And, and 
And she's the the thing that you know. Aside from just working hard and being really good at what she does, she is an honest to goodness, sincere, good person. Yeah. If she can, she will, and that is such a, a rare trait to find in people anywhere, especially but especially here in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm glad that we were you know Kyle was able to get the word out as much as we can and I love you know that. some people sent a hundred dollars and some people sent one but it doesn't matter it doesn't, as long as the community came yeah together I think it's the coolest thing we love that and, and and you say Florence is home now how are you doing well I mean I me and Florence she in true Florence fashion even from the hospital she was uh I was one of the designers that she asked to help her make some clothes for something I got. Uh, <laughs> I need you to she, do something for me. Home. Yeah, and, and, and I said absolutely because she's that you know she's done so much for so many people. Yeah. But um, she came home and her first thought was like, "How do I, how do I get back to work?" <laughs> what it's like if you would just sit and sleep for a day, maybe relax. We could talk about working tomorrow. I've got two hands here. <laughs> yeah, but she's really that person, and I have to say, um, we don't live together anymore, so. I, I wish I could be there a lot more as, yeah. than I am, but her partner Evan, who is a really great artist, and one of and her, her best friend Kyle have really been like they've been there. And, that's and, that's amazing. Well, thank really you for helping. for helping to share her story. Now, if you guys want to donate um, to Florence, um, you can just go to GoFundMe and you put in the search Florence F L O R E N C E Delee D apostrophe L E E, and then you can also contribute to her well uh well-being and we wish her um a full recovery um yeah. especially after with with all that's going on right um now going back to the drag queen nightlife obviously you build friendships now i'm gonna date myself right because as a young gay man 20 years ago you know i went to crash in queens uh, esquilita octagon we loved oh, the warehouse in the bronx Lord. i remember <laughs> Kevin Aviance, Jasmine International, Lady Bunny, Jessica Fox, Harmonica Sunbeam, Angel Sheridan, Sahara Davenport, Larissa Dumont, you name it. <laughs> yeah. All part of yeah. my all part of my growing up as as a young gay dude. <laughs> I mean, I don't I wouldn't consider myself the gayest person in the room, but I that that's the culture. This was I looked forward to it every weekend and of course in my 20s I just I don't know how and, and and why was I working Wall Street? I don't know, but obviously I was a functioning alcoholic. Um, <laughs> in your in your opinion, what is the difference between a real live local drag show in a sweaty, cramped space versus what you see produced for television? And we'll talk a little bit about that. Oh man, you know, there's something. I, I just did an interview where I, I always tell when people are like, I want to do drag, how to get into it. I just like, stop watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, stop watching Dragula. Do. Stop watching these things that are on television because there's a production team behind it. If you want to see what a queen really does, go to a show at 7 p.m. on a Thursday night. <laughs> these queens are working for $50. Coins. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Here's the bucket. Yeah. Yeah. And they're doing the most because, you know, drag is one of those things that you get out of it what you put into it. So if you're doing the splits and you're doing the turns and you're doing all of that, you're going to get it back in, in money. Um, there's something really unexpected and kind of dirty and kind of, 
I don't know, and, and really raw about just seeing a drag queen literally dance or sing or tell a joke for their livelihood. Yeah. Uh, because it, I think there, there's just so much, not to say that people in RuPaul's Drag Race aren't passionate about drag, but if you go to a real drag show in the real world and you look at these girls, there's, there's like passion behind their eyes because their lives depend on it. And we're not making thousands of dollars doing this. So you really, really have to love it yeah. in order to put yourself in a position where you're depending on the kindness of others to give you a dollar for doing a triple pirouette. <laughs> it's not even the kindness. It's just so... I think what... Maybe you don't realize it in the moment, but I know when... when you know, you you have your friends, and this is a safe space for you guys to go hang out and be inspired by the wonderful, crazy things these queens do. And it's 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 the least we can do is to take a few bucks, change those into singles, and stretch it out as far as we can. This ten singles have to last the whole night because this is all we got. We got. We, you know, we got money for a drink, and then the rest of this has to go to the queens, and then we try to stretch it out as long as we can, just oh, so yeah, that we yeah. can give to every queen and every person, because it's just it it just really fills the audience, and 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 just myself, it it, it was really joyful, and just a, a safe escape from everything else. Yeah, I think nowadays people believe that to make a political statement, you have to make this grand gesture no <laughs> um, and, and that might and listen yes that might be the case for some yeah but for so many of us who aren't necessarily the most verbose uh uh activists just it's just every day being in a public space mm -hmm. is an act of of rebellion because in so many ways queer people are still considered the other so if you just Will we cut off, dear? Viva! If hold on, let's see. Hello. Yes. Oh, I can hear you now. <laughs> oh, sorry, I lost you. Okay, but well, we got you back. If you, okay. if if but we yeah, just, I, I just think anytime you go somewhere and you are yourself, that's cool. Well, 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 thank. I, I know when I don't have much time. Oh my God, there was so much to talk about. I wanted to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race, which is just a whole hour of another conversation. But, but I want to just talk quickly, just about just in the gay culture, how it's important that you know whether you are, you know, and, and obviously you know you're a plus size, and 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 even in the gay culture, we ourselves suffer from transphobia. Fat phobia, and I know you've mentioned this too. Fem phobia, right? Mm -hmm. And just all ridiculous things. Being there's being in a drag environment. Oh, it's it's just if you've never been, it's just all inclusive, gays and straights of all kinds, women, men, non-binary. However you identify, however. It's just a place where we can all just be, get along, sing and dance and have fun and enjoy each other's company because at the end of the day, we need each other's support and we don't get respect that we are demanding from others until we give it to each other. 
And I love that you're still working on the craft, right? You've been making gowns, but I still love how you're still, you're part of that inspiration. So I just want to personally thank you, Viva, for for doing that, for not just for our community, right? But for for others who don't understand it. Oh, do, is she back? Are we back? I'm back. Sorry. <laughs> I was just talking to myself. <laughs> well, I heard what you said. Go <laughs> good. Listening to the radio, I, I, you know, it is true. I think, uh, in general, there's so much emphasis. Oh, you know what? Maybe wherever I you, maybe, I think wherever you are, you're just getting bad reception. <laughs> so, um, if you can hear me, dear, I just want to say to everyone that I, despite what people think, and I know people think that drag queens um because i know some people think it's just it's regressive it's people being catty um queens are being vile especially sometimes on the show some people say that drag race glorifies arrogance and it's just a bunch of gay men throwing shade at each other just for entertainment um but there are drag queens out there who have something to say and use their platform responsibly and it's not just about lip syncing it is about a movement. Um, if you guys want any more information about Viva Vidalia, you go to Instagram. You can find her, Viva Vidalia, uh, V-I-V-A-V-I-D-A-L-I-A. You can find Viva Vidalia on Facebook, Viva.Vidalia. Um, you can find her original music on YouTube. Just Google her, Viva Vidalia. Um, her country songs, Heartstrings and Baby Girl. She's working on a new EP. Uh, Viva, are you still there? Yes, I'm here. Quickly, what is your Venmo and PayPal so we can support you if we can? Oh, yeah. Uh, Venmo and Cash App and PayPal are all the same. Just uh, Viva Vidalia. Viva Vidalia. Uh, you know, whatever app it is. Yeah, I mean, it'd be very appreciative. I, I would like to order Chinese food. Today. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, Viva. And for all of the information on what we do here at Radio Free Brooklyn, you guys can log on to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. And for everything I do, JunkinJam.com.